Hey, welcome over in the, the venue. Thank you, Tim, for uh, leading worship over there. And those of you that are watching online, I'm grateful you're with us if you're in the cafe. Blessings. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 11. Okay, John chapter 11. If you didn't bring your Bible, you forgot your Bible, all the verses I think are in your notes. They'll come up on the jumbotrons. Uh, and if you don't own a Bible and you would like a Bible, we'll give you one for, for free, okay? We give out lots of Bibles, and we just want to put the Word of God into, um, into your hands. Here in a little bit, uh, over in the venue and in here, we're just going to have a really uh, great time of, of prayer. We're going to turn this into the altar room, so you won't have to go in there. And all of our pastors and elders will just kind of line the front of our stage here over in the venue. We've got some elders and some pastors over there also. And um, be a chance for you to come and let us pray for you. Maybe you got a health issue going on in your life. Maybe you got some bad news. They found a lump where there's not supposed to be a lump. Maybe there's something going on in your marriage. Maybe your marriage is great and you just want to keep it that way because all marriages start off great and something happens, right? Maybe you got a teenager that went sideways and you're just going to come up and ask our elder or pastor to pray for you. Maybe, maybe you got a parent, a dad who's gone sideways. Maybe you own a business and things aren't going very well in your business. And you would just say, hey, would you pray for, for me? Maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe you're single and you want to be married. And for whatever reason, you can't find the right soul. Maybe you're married and you want to get pregnant, and for whatever reason, you can't get pregnant. Maybe you'd like to adopt, but boy, that process is just dragging on and on and on. I, I don't know what it is, but we're going to have a great time. Last night, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. Last night was just incredible in here. And let me say to those of you that are watching online, we're grateful you're with us. You're a part of our family, and we love you and, and all of that. But there are some things you, you can't get watching online unless you come to the brick and mortar. And let me encourage you, if you live close by, why don't you get in your car and blow off the message and just drive here and get here by the time we're done and let us pray for you or your spouse, or your children, or, or whatever. We'd love to have you, you, you come down here. There are, uh, there are a lot of uh, verses or stories in the Bible um, that inspire me, right? Uh, probably all of us who know the Lord and have studied the Word, there are these stories, there are go-to stories. Wow, they just pump you up, right? They get your adrenal glands going. They, they inspire you. There are a lot of stories or verses in the Bible that challenge me, and that's different than being inspired. There are a lot of stories or verses in the Bible that frankly confuse me. You probably have them also. You read the story, you read the verse, and wow, in, in our humanity, we, we we're just confused. We don't, we don't understand it. There are a lot of verses and stories in the Bible that correct me. Right? I mean, we've all been in a Bible study, maybe men's or women's or CR. Maybe it's our home group. 
Maybe it's in here, maybe it's just our private time and we read something and wow. Ooh, you go, wow, Lord, I sure need some help in that area. The, the, the verse of the story corrected me. There are lots of stories or verses in the Bible that are so profound, I'll never understand them because they're just so deep. And though God had this written so that we could all understand it to some degree, there are just some things about it that, wow. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord. In other words, there are some things that though he wrote it for us, you just go, wow, you know what? Until I get the glory, I'm probably never going to understand it. And then there are some stories or verses in the Bible that really bother me. They, they make me angry. They, they disturb me. And the story that we're going to look at today is one of them. Bothers me. Makes me, makes me angry to some degree. Now, it ends well, but the beginning of it, frankly, is, is troubling to me. So let's get into it. I, I, I want to unpack um, this story like a four-act play, okay? I want you to imagine we're all down at the Gallo Center, you know, we got our seats, and the curtain's down, and it's a four-act play, okay? The, the, the curtain's gonna come up, and, and the title of the play is Waiting on God. That, that's the title of the play, okay? Now, the two main characters in the play, besides Jesus, of course, are two sisters that are really close to Jesus, okay? Their names are Martha and Mary, and they loved Jesus deeply, and we know that Jesus loved them deeply, okay? Uh, <laughs> Jesus would often hang out at Martha and Mary's house. I have no doubt that Jesus often spent the night at Martha and Mary's house. They had a brother named Lazarus, and you're going to meet him in a minute also. They were, uh, I guess you could say, they were supporters of his ministry. Think of it that way in a modern day context, okay? These were some of Jesus' closest and dearest friends, Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. Well, there comes a moment when Martha and Mary's brother, Lazarus, gets really sick. In fact, he's so sick that he's going to die. So the sisters send a message to Jesus asking him to come to their home, ASAP, and heal their brother, okay? Save their brother's life. And I'm sure that these gals thought that as soon as Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, that he would drop whatever he was doing Get on the next train or, or, you know, Uber or Camel or whatever it was, and he would get to that house ASAP. After all, they were close friends, very tight friends. There was a great love between this family and Jesus. But things aren't going to go as planned, okay? 
So let's get into the play. Curtain goes up. We have act one, request denied, okay? Look at verse one of John 11. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, okay? Sent an email, sent a text. Somehow they sent somebody with this sentence right here. Lord, the one you love is sick. Wow. Not Lazarus is sick. Not our brother's sick. Lord, the one you love, you love him. He's sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet, and that's a bad translation, most of your Bibles probably say so, right? So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, when Jesus got the text, when he got the email, when he got the message, Lazarus, the one you love is sick, he makes the decision to stay there for two more days. Isn't that weird? Beloved, these two gals had seen Jesus heal many people. I'm sure they heard about, you know, Jesus healing a lot of people. In fact, he healed people he didn't even know. There's a story in the Bible where a centurion comes and says, hey, can you heal my son? And Jesus doesn't even go to where the boy is. He never even meets up with the guy and he heals him. Jesus could have healed Lazarus, the one in whom he loved, by not even showing up to the city. He didn't have to go back to town. I'm pretty sure that these two gals were confident that Jesus would come as soon as he got word that their brother, his friend, was dying. I mean, we're talking about Jesus' closest friends, maybe besides the disciples. So they asked Jesus to come. Request denied. They were expecting Jesus to come. Request denied. They needed Jesus to come. Request denied. Most of us uh, here today can probably relate to this, can't we? I mean, we've all asked Jesus to show up in, in some situation in our life, and for whatever reason, request denied. Maybe your marriage was dying and you asked Jesus to show up. Request denied, right? Maybe you're a young couple and you've been waiting to have a, a baby and you've asked Jesus to show up. 
quest of nine. Maybe your teenager has drifted from the faith and you've asked Jesus to show up, request denied. Maybe your, your parents have gone sideways and you, you can hear them fighting and yelling and talking about getting an attorney and divorcing and you went to the Lord and you prayed, request denied. Maybe your business was going under and you asked Jesus to show up, request denied. Maybe you have a huge health need. Maybe the doctor has, has given you no hope. And you've asked Jesus to show up. And up until this moment, request denied, right? Here's the deal. I, I don't know what your situation is today. I just know that many of you, like Mary and Martha, have asked God to show up, and he didn't. At least he hasn't showed up yet. And so far, all you can think about is your request has been denied. You can relate to Martha and Mary. This isn't just some story in the Bible. In real life. You, you could take Mary and Martha's names, pull their names out, and just put your name in there and your spouse's name in there or whatever. Now here's what makes the story even a little more disturbing. Look at verse five. Again, Jesus loved Martha and her sister uh, and Lazarus. And as I said, a better translation is so. So when Jesus heard that Jesus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. In other words, it was because of Jesus' love for them that he stayed and denied their request. It's because he loved them deeply that he says, I'm going to deny your request. I want you to know just, I, I, I don't get it. You, you love those gals so much that you've denied their request. Hmm. Well, this brings us to Act 2, okay? And this act is really short. Curtain goes down. Hmm. Request denied. Curtain goes up. The death of a good friend is Act 2. Look at verse 11. After Jesus had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, and he'll get better. Hey, boss, look at You don't have to hustle back. He's just sleeping. They probably think Jesus is like, Maybe he's losing it. <laughs> just, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, okay? Okay, guys, let me keep this simple. I don't want this to go over your head. He's dead, okay? And then you get to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, here's the deal. Not only did Jesus blow off Martha and Mary's request to come and heal the brother, but Jesus didn't even bother to show up to the funeral. This is his good friend. 
This is somebody he loved deeply. And not only did he say, request denied, but a funeral took place. And he's not even there. He didn't even come for that. Been dead for four days. Funeral's over, man. That just seems kind of rude, doesn't it? I mean, after all, didn't Jesus say you're supposed to treat others the way you'd want to be treated? Could the guy at least show up to the funeral? Wow. Listen, there's one big, huge principle that you've all got to come to grips with, and that is this. God does things in his own timing. Now, everybody in this room, over in the venue, watching online, just about all of us, we, 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 got, we, we, we got a watch on, most of us do. Here at the church, I got two watches up there. I got, a, I got an atomic clock up there, which means that is the exact time anywhere in the world, it's that clock right there. And they make sure it's in big red so I can see it, okay? <laughs> I'm getting better, praise the Lord. Baby steps. Um, Uh, I got one on mine here. I got this little thing. It spins and it gives a date. Uh, Jesus isn't wearing this. He doesn't have a calendar. He doesn't have a little thing that spins. He doesn't do things according to your Timex or your, you know, Seiko or your Rolex. He does things in his own timing. He's, he's sovereign over everything. Look at um, verse 11. Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Jesus is very much aware of what's happening in the life of Mary and Martha. He's very much aware of what's taken place with Lazarus. He's very much aware of what's going on in your life, even if he denies the request for now. He's very much aware of what's happening in your life. He knows that Lazarus is dead. He knows exactly what he's going to, you know, what, what, what's going on. And he knows exactly what he's going to do, doesn't he? The girls don't know this. They're back at home. He knows, Jesus knows exactly what he's going to do when he shows up. And he knows exactly what he's going to do in your circumstance, just like he did with Martha and Mary. He knew. Look, sometimes when Jesus doesn't show up when you want him to show up, in other words, he denies your request, it's simply because it's not in accordance with his will or his timing or his plan. And that can be a difficult thing for us. 
because you're all intelligent people and you know, hey, my timing's perfect, God. My plan, you know, I thought this through. And there's an old saying that goes like this, you know, man plans and then God laughs. <laughs> he doesn't have a problem with you planning. He gave you a brain and he wants you to plan and he wants you to think. But he also wants you to hold on to those things lightly because you're not God. You're not sovereign. He is. He is. I wrote this down. I think it's in your notes. I think it's on the Jumbotron. Jesus hears your requests, okay? He knows what's going on in your life, and he even has a plan as to what he's going to do with your request. It just might not be what your plan is. That's one of the things you learn in this story. Jesus heard the request of the gals. He knew what was going on, and he had a plan. The problem was it wasn't the girl's plan, was it? Probably wasn't Lazarus's plan either. I'm sure when Lazarus was dying there in bed with whatever he had, I'm sure he thought Jesus was going to come busting in at any moment, make him feel better. None of that happened. Now, when we get to Act 4, we're going to see that not only does God work on a different, you know, time schedule than us, but he also has a way more important agenda than simply healing the friend or raising Lazarus from the dead, but that's act four. We'll get there in just a moment. Now, when things like this happen, when Jesus chooses to deny your request, most people, probably not this group in here or over in the venue, I'm sure, but most people get all spun out over it, right? Most people get all goofed up and angry and bitter about it. I know people who've had their request denied who've left the church. God didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted it. Why, God, I don't even believe in God anymore. I know people whose requests have been denied and they've actually become hostile to the church and to God because God didn't do it my way. He denied my requests, right? Now this brings us to act three. Curtain goes down. Now it comes up, act three, emotions erupt. Bethany, it says in verse 18, was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Isn't this a beautiful scene? Everybody's coming up to Martha and Mary. Oh, this is great. Everybody but Jesus, because he hadn't been around. But people are coming and, you know, and, Weeping with those that weep and mourning with those that mourn. You can see the picture, Martha, Mary, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm sorry your brother died. He was a good man, you know, whatever. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. So Martha and Mary are at home. Hey, Jesus is on the corner of Tully and Briggsmore. She can't, whew. You can just see her running down Tully Avenue. Can't you? You see this? She, she's not gonna wait. 
She's not going to wait for him to get down here. Mary is, not Martha. Martha's heading down to the corner. By the way, she has a little speech she's got prepared. I'm sure she's been thinking about this for four days now. Ever been like that? You're really angry at somebody, your kid or your parent or somebody, and you practice the speech. I'm going to tell you. And you got it all down pat, exactly what you're going to say. You're angry. You're mad about something. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Oh, man, this is just, this is like a great story. I'm telling you, you got to love this, man. I want you to notice that when the sisters heard that Jesus was in town, Mar Mary stayed home. She didn't do anything. She made no effort to go out and greet him. But Martha did. Yeah, she's going to let Jesus have it. She's got a little speech, you know, ready to unload on him. But, but at least she goes out and greets him. She goes out and greets him with great honor. Lord, that would be like, uh, like uh, a modern day, you know, someone calls you, sir. Man, that, that was a way to show honors. You didn't wait for them to get to your front door and <laughs> knock. You went out and greeted them. It's like when a, a, a loved one comes home for Christmas and you're coming up the street, they tax, man, you open the door, man, you're out there on the sidewalk. Woo! Haven't seen you in a long time. I miss you. There's Martha. Here's my, my point, and it's an important one. Martha at least made an effort to go greet Jesus. She didn't let her disappointment keep her from at least going out and meeting Jesus. I know for a fact that there are a lot of people that should, should have been here this morning. But like Mary, you know what they did? They stayed home, but not you. You might have great struggles going on in your life and they may be profound, but you're here. Your heart is broken, but you're here. Your faith is shattered, right? But you're here. Your marriage is in a shambles, but you're here. You're angry about the cancer, but you're here. You're upset with Jesus, but you're here. You're not even sure you believe anymore, but you're here. Could have stayed home and done nothing, but you didn't. You came here. You, you came to meet with, with Jesus on, on a road. Maybe you got a little attitude. Maybe angry, maybe skeptical, but at least you came. Maybe like Martha, you know what? Okay, I saw you praying for diseases and I've got cancer and God has denied my request. Okay, I'm coming and you've got a little speech ready. Or maybe, maybe your, your parents have cancer. And for whatever reason, man, your dad isn't getting healed and you know what, you're here. Like Martha, you know, you got, you ready. You got a little speech ready. And by the way, I want you to know, God can handle your little speech. God can handle your attitude. His shoulders are big enough to handle 
what's going on in here and your emotions. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't go, hey, Martha, zip it! Don't you know who I am? I'm the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. I'm the alpha and the omega. I've created everything. And how dare you question me? If that would have been recorded, (laughs) I'm going to just lock myself in my room and I'm not going to come out here and try to do anything with any of you. He doesn't do that. I remember when all of the guys were on the boat out in the Sea of Galilee, these great fishermen, and the storm came up, and they're freaked out. I mean, this must have been a big storm, and water's coming over the thing, and Jesus is, you know, sleeping. <laughs> and they go over and wake him up. Don't you care? And it wasn't, hey, hey, I just want to, don't, don't you care? That's not how it was. Don't you care? We're going to die. And Jesus doesn't get up and lambast him and say, man, you just woke me up from a beautiful dream. I don't care about what's going on in your life. How dare you ask me whether I I care or not. It's going to be a few weeks and I'm going to hang on a cross and we'll put it all to rest then. No. Listen. Your your request has been denied over and over again. I get it. And I know you got a little attitude. Got got some things. Come on, God, my marriage is falling apart. Come on, man, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Don't you care? Aren't you listening? He's okay with that. My children haven't always interfaced with me in a reverent way. Next hour, they'll all be sitting right down there. We're a family, and I love them deeply, and they love me deeply. Uh, My shoulders are big enough to handle when my children, the flesh gets the better of them. He can handle it, folks. He loves you. He cares about you. Look at verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, wow, haven't we all said that? God, if you'd only been here when I needed you, you know, I wouldn't be all depressed. God, if if you'd only been here when I needed you, you know, I wouldn't be without a job. God, if if you'd only been here when I needed you, I wouldn't have this broken heart. God, if if you'd only been here when I I needed you, my my spouse wouldn't have had that affair. God, if if you'd only been here when I needed you, I, I wouldn't have this cancer. Man, I've, I've been there. I've had those conversations with God. Look, God can handle your questions. He can handle little speeches. And aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that you can come to God with all our, our messed up emotions and erupt at times and he doesn't kick us out of his family? 
And we may have to go back and say, Lord, I'm sure sorry for my tone or my attitude. Please forgive me. One of the things I want you to notice is that Martha, in the same breath, after letting her emotions erupt, says this in verse 22, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And in your Bibles, I want you to underline those two words or circle those two words, even now. Those are great words. Even now, even now, even now, right now, God is able to give you whatever you want, even right now. Even now, God is able to step into your life and restore all that sin has stolen from you. Even now, God is able to mend your broken heart. Even now, God is able to bring peace and joy into your life. Even now, God is able to put your life back together again. Even now, God is able to save your marriage. Even now, God is able to bring your wayward teenager home. Even now, God is able to cure you of your cancer. Even now, God is, can, can raise the dead things in your life back to life. Even now. God can restore your relationship to him, even now, even now. Yeah, your request has been denied, and it's been denied, and it's been denied, but even now, there's a new day, there's a new moment. God is able to forgive your sins, which is your greatest need, even now, even right now. God can do whatever he wants, even now. Look, here's the deal. When, when those times come, when God chooses not to show up, when God chooses to let something die in your life, I want you to remember this. It's only because God's got something greater to show you. He's got something greater about himself that he wants to reveal to you. He wants to take you to a deeper place in his relationship with you. And sometimes the only way that that can happen is by allowing something to die in your life or by denying your request. And this brings us to the final act, act four, a greater revelation. Verse 23 says, Jesus said to Martha, your brother, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. <laughs> Martha, zip it, will you? Okay. Will you, just, will you just settle down, Martha? Quit talking. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live again even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe what I just said? Not that I can raise somebody from the dead, but that I am the resurrection. And there's a difference between those two sentences. You see, basically up to this point, Jesus was known only as a great teacher or a prophet or a rabbi, a friend of sinners. He was known as a miracle worker, a healer. But now he's going to reveal something way, way bigger about himself. And it was going to take the death of his good friend. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly when he was going to unpack the fact that he was the resurrection and the life. There was a reason why 
he denied their request. There's a reason why he doesn't show up to the funeral. There's a reason why Lazarus is, is rotten in a grave for four days. Because he is going to now up the stakes. He is now going to unpack something pretty weighty. You see, Jesus is way more than just a great teacher. He's way more than just a prophet. He's way more than just a guy that can heal your marriage or bring your teenager back or heal your cancer or make sure your business grows. He's way, way, way more than that. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that's way weightier than just being a great teacher or being somebody that can heal somebody. Some of us are probably like Mary and Martha and all you want Jesus is to, to heal, you know, Jesus the healer to show up or because you think that that's your greatest need, but it's not. In fact, it's not even close to the greatest need that you have. You think the greatest need you got right now is that somehow God would have that lump disappear and that's not your greatest need. Your greatest need is to have your sins forgiven. That's your greatest need. Because it's your sin that brings death, eternal separation from God. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you put your trust in me, Oh, this heart, physical heart will stop beating, but you will spend your eternity with me forever and ever and ever. You see, here's the deal. Can anybody, can anybody tell me where Lazarus lives right now? Do you think he lives in Jerusalem? Do you think he has an address in Jerusalem? You, you, you think we could go, we could Google him and we'd find his address? No. You know why? He died! Well, I thought Jesus rose him from the dead. He did, but he died! Because we all die. He isn't alive now. There comes a moment when he ultimately will die. Just like all of you. So obviously, we all have a greater need than just the fact that he could raise somebody from the dead for what, I don't know, Lazarus might have lived another month, maybe two months, maybe a year. I don't, I don't know how long he lived, but he ends up dying. We all have a greater need than just simply being healed of our sicknesses or whatever all those things might, might be. Now, in every great movie, there's a, an epilogue, right? I got one. Look at verse 38. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to Lazarus's tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. She just can't keep her mouth shut. She just, this is a, she just can't do it. By this time, there's a bad odor. He's been in there for four days. 
Move the stone. Move the stone. Martha, you still don't get it. I love you deeply and you love me deeply and there's lots of things that you do know about me. You're starting to catch on, but you still don't get it. Like I'm gonna raise somebody from the dead and you don't think I can make the odor go away? Like, uh, maybe you had a big Febreze can. <laughs> He had, a, he had one of those diffuser things and was going off. I don't know, I don't know. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. This is a loud voice. He wanted everybody to hear there are all the Pharisees, religious leaders. There are the disciples. There are just people who lived in the town. Everybody's around. Lazarus, come out! And I'm sure everybody's going, whoa, he's really gone off the deep end. <laughs> I'm sure the religious leaders are going, yes! We nailed him. This isn't going to happen. He'll be a fraud. I'm sure Mayor Martha was doing this. And all of a sudden, all wrapped up in stuff. <laughs> and as we'll see next week, Lord willing, it changes the dynamic with the religious leaders and even with Lazarus. We're gonna see next week, now the religious leaders not only wanna kill Jesus, they wanna kill Lazarus because they're holy people. <laughs> wow, imagine that scene. Now most people think that's the apex of the story. Woo, a dead guy's walking around. That's not the apex of the story because like I said, he's gonna end up dead anyway. But it's cool, isn't it? Doesn't that give you a goosebump? That's not the apex of the story. It's not even close to being the apex of the story. The apex of the story is when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's the apex of the story. That's the weighty, meaty moment. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask our elders and pastors just to come here and over in the venue, I'm gonna ask uh, Ryan and, and some of the staff to go forward. I just want all of you to come forward, your spouses. Let's fill this front part up here. And here's the deal. Last night, right down here, and it happened at least twice that I know of, right down here, Pastor Alan Boone was right here. Family came up and said, I'm here, I think, I think it was cancer. Would you pray for my cancer? They thought that was their greatest need. And Pastor Allen says, do you know Christ as your savior? No. And Allen right there led him to Christ. That was their greatest need, that their sins would be healed. And maybe that's you. Hey, this, everybody, we got plenty of time. Everybody ought to come up here. Every single person ought to come up here and say, I need prayer for this, I need prayer for that. Maybe it is a health need. And we're gonna have plenty of time. There'll be a discipline of silence. And you can stay there and once, you know, 
There's an opening, come. Don't say, well, hey, Gordon's my favorite elder. I only want him to pray for me. I, I, I don't want John praying for me. I need, look, look. God doesn't hear Gordon's prayers more than anybody else's. Just come and find somebody. Marriage, your kids, your family, your future, your business, whatever it is. Your marriage is great, get up here. If your walk with God is great, you gotta get up here and say, pray that my walk with the Lord just stays healthy and stays vibrant. This is just gonna be a great day. We got plenty of time. So don't feel like you gotta rush. We got plenty of time. I mean, just lots of, lots of, of time. And so, Father, right now, God, thank you for this story that begins with a, a request that was denied but ends with something far deeper. And as people come forward, I'm sure that they've had a lot of requests denied. And maybe right now is the moment that you, even now, will answer their prayers. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. But I'm going to believe, God, that miracles are going to happen right now in these next few minutes. So I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen.